Hello and welcome to Storytime with Tom and Mike. I'm Tom. And that would make me Mike. And our guest needs no actual introduction, but we'll introduce her all the same. Lindsay, returning to the show. Hello, Lindsay. Hey, hey guys. <laughs> Hi. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. What good. about three, four months since we had you on the show? Last time it was Halloween. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, it was Halloween. That was a fun show. Yeah, it was a fun show. Un- unfortunately, a lot of really scary things in real life have happened in the yep. last well shit just the last month really mm-hmm. i mean like uh another friend of the show leroy said to me the other day that um betty white was the gateway she was the the the, the, the gatekeeper she opened the hell mouth she opened the hell mouth and all these wonderful wonderful people spilled in people that you never heard a negative word about bob saget never heard a bad thing about him now he was one of the dirtiest comedians uh, I've ever heard. He was, I uh, was so shocked when the first time I listened to one of his comedy specials. Not 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 like a shocked and appalled, like, oh my god, I can't believe he's just I taking aback. Like, oh my lord. Yeah, right. the stuff that he is saying is so dirty. I love it. And yet right. there is an endearing quality to him as well that translates well into shows like America's Funniest Home Videos and uh, uh, Full House. Was it Full House? Yeah. Yeah, it was Full yeah. House. Okay, I get a lot of those, uh, thank God it's Friday shows. It was like, is it Family up. Matters? Yeah. Family Matters, Full House, <laughs> Just the Ten of Us. Yeah, there's so damn many of step them. Step by Step. Yeah, Step, step by, by Step. step. Mm-hmm. But Michael, you know a strange amount of those off the top of your head. I used to watch them all the time. You did? Yeah. Oh, oh, I love that. Yeah. They're so wholesome, though. They are. Well, they were corny, but they were I think, wholesome, you know, and you don't get that in sitcoms very much today. I like, think Step by no. Step was the last time that anybody saw Patrick Duffy do anything meaningful. <laughs> oh, my God. That's right. Yeah. Wow. Patrick Duffy. As he if was, he would ever have a bigger moment than turning around in that goddamn shower and revealing that the whole thing was a dream on Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, we didn't see little Patrick that day. <laughs> but I, I got to say, like, Patrick, uh, Patrick, um, yeah, Patrick Duffy. Uh, you got, I got, you got the Patrick Duffy in my mind because I think of the South Park episode where the early one where Cartman's telling a story of the guy, the creature in the woods. And for a lovely, he had Patrick Duffy. <laughs> I remember that. That is old school South Park. That's like 2000. Yep. That's wow. like 19. No, that's like 1998 or 99. Isn't that one of the first episodes that Ned's in? Yes, that the is Vietnam the first veteran. episode. Yeah, yes. that, I, I must have imitated that about a thousand times to my uh, own enjoyment. When you when you yeah. when you gave me this microphone, I kept yeah. doing it and recording it and then laughing hysterically about it. Um, I'm on fire. Help! <laughs> mm, what you got, mm, biatch? Ned, are you whacking it over there? Mm, kinda. <laughs> so what I was actually going to say is that Dan Saget his death really hit me because I I think I identified with him from Danny Tanner as kind of like this goofy, but really accessible and nice dad figure, you know, and I don't mean to put my own father down, but we didn't have the best relationship when I was growing up. He didn't know quite how to provide what I needed and I don't blame him for it, but as a result, I had a lot of sort of surrogate fathers through by way of television and movies. Right, right. You know, uh, one of the most, not to diverge too much from Bob Sag, but actually, and I, I deep down think my dad knows why, and that's why it upset him so much. But there was a movie, Cloak and Dagger. I and remember that. The, uh, the the protagonist's father was this sort of absentee absentee dad and the um like the captain jack or whatever his name was that that was played by his the actor who was also his father um sort of acts as like this like a surrogate father to the real one he only exists in his imagination but at the end when the plane explodes 
And here comes Action Jack, toward, you know, back to the flame, badass shot. And he run, the boy runs into his arms. I would always immediately burst into tears. And I didn't know why at the time. I didn't know that that's what I was craving, that connection with my dad. I didn't know that the whole story was plotted out a lot like my relationship with my dad. So when I would cry, I think deep down he understood why. And I think it upset the shit out of him because he didn't know how to change it. You know, and and I think about my own nephew and how many times I've tried to connect with him and how I realized like, my dad probably felt fucking helpless, you know, to fix that, to do anything about yeah, it. That or he was like, why is my son such a pussy crying over this well, movie? Well, that may very well have been. That may very oh, well have it been. Was, it was a joke. It was but, a joke. But, but, <laughs> I was in my feels. <laughs> but there's, there's, where's the lie, dude? I, you know, like there's some truth. I seriously that. doubt that. Mm-hmm. That's just, I, I couldn't help myself. <laughs> well, I think that people like traditionally think of escapism. They think of like fantasy and horror and I'm playing Dungeons and Dragons or right. whatever it is. But I think the reason why Saget resonated with so many people is exactly what you're talking about. And that's because tons of people didn't have the relationships with their parents that they wanted the relationships or maybe they were only children and they, they watched full house because it was this cool setup. And not only did, you know, DJ and Stephanie and uh, the little one have Michelle, I know (laughs) Uh, Michelle, I almost said Mary Kate and I caught myself. Um, (laughs) They, they had not just one cool dad, but they had, you know, Uncle Joey in the basement and Uncle Jesse upstairs in the attic. So they had like this, um, this cool dynamic. They lived in this cool house Mm -hmm. and it, it was just this really wholesome upbringing that I think a lot of kids that have dysfunctional families or they don't have the right or not necessarily the right, but they don't have like the kind of relationship with their dad that they maybe thought they would. Mm -hmm. And I could see that. I think he was like, that's why he was like America's dad. And America's Funniest Home Videos too was huge. Oh yeah. I think people forget about that. It was like probably the most successful like clip show of probably our entire generation i mean you know going back to you know uh the blooper show that uh dick um clark Clark, dick clark Mm -hmm. and uh um uh ed mcmahon would host oh yeah oh my god i almost forgot about that Bleeps, bloopers and pranks or something practical practical jokes i think yeah 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 that was a great show too. And, but Saget, like he did every voice on America's Funniest Home Video. I think, I don't know if everybody necessarily knew that, like all the little voices to all, to every video, he did all of that. And I would be willing to bet he improved damn near all of it. Yeah. And it was hilarious. <laughs> the videos were hilarious, obviously, but like the voices he did, the little, you know, characters he did that brought him to life. Just it was so funny. You know, I think that's the other thing about Saget is that it's like you have a favorite uncle, right? And you know, mm-hmm. and when you're young, they're just funny because they make funny voices and they do their delivery is great and everyone else laughs. So you're like, that's a funny guy, you know? And you 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 later figure out, like when you hit about 14, 15, maybe you catch them drunk. And they're hilarious. Yeah. And right. They're dirty. And you're like, right. Whoa! And suddenly, oh <laughs> and suddenly they become a new level of cool. They ascend to this new level of cool where mm-hmm. it's like, oh wow, Uncle Dave is really fucking funny. And he's with it and he's observant and witty and he gets people. It's not, he's not just some stodgy 45 year old. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what I was just about to say about second, because it's like, you know, for me, uh, the first, I was obsessed with full house, I loved full house, watched it constantly. And yes, I did watch fuller house when it came out on Netflix. Wasn't oh, the same. my Lanta. 
Right. It I just watched it to see Jody Sweeten. Right. She did look great in it. Wow. Um, but it's like he did Full House first. And then, well, no, wait. Yeah, he did Full House first. And he kind of went into America's Funniest Home videos. And then, of course, the whole time he was doing stand up. But when I was younger, I didn't know that. And the next thing I saw him in was uh, Half Baked, I think. <laughs> and then he went into How I Met Your Mother. Couldn't have been long after that. So it's like I had this childhood experience with him growing up a little. And then like he turned into, you know, the uncle that you realize is super cool. So as I grew, like my relationship with Saget grew. And I think a lot of people felt that way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Probably not in a way they could readily articulate without sitting down and really breaking it apart. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. a lot of people don't do that. Uh, well, I just like that. You know, they don't, they don't really connect with why I, I found that to be a problem with a lot of non-artists when I want when I like show them something I've made and they look at it and they like it or don't like it. And they just say, I like it or I don't like it. And you're like, well, wh- why? And what right. don't you like about it? What do you like about it? And they're like, I don't know. Most people don't critically examine art or comedy or anything. They just Most people know. don't critically examine anything. Exactly. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. They don't critically examine anything in their lives. So why should they start with comedy or, or, or a right. podcast or some stupid video that I made, you know? just for yeah. my own entertainment. So question, this brings up another thought in my head. Saget was mm-hmm. one. So who are some other TV dads that you really loved as a kid and they mm-hmm. felt like kind of an extension of your family? They did the role so well. You just really identified with them. Can we, can we add a caveat to that, that regardless of what that person became, Oh, later absolutely. in life because i know you're going to say bill cosby and yes, he's a host I'm, too. I'm going to say bill cosby because as a kid absolutely as a kid he was another one of those surrogate fathers uh, had, bill cosby mm-hmm. was my favorite comedian he mm-hmm. was the first comedian i discovered i was yeah. obsessed with bill cosby loved him it broke my heart when i found out you know obviously about all the bullshit he did uh-huh. but i went and actually saw him live about 10 years before everything came out and it was, I just wish I could erase it from my memory. It was the most awful live comedy show I've ever been to. He was mm. awful. He just berated the audience. He was nasty to women. And it was just like, <laughs> just like in real life. Right. Exactly. And you know how, like when you're young, it's like you're, uh, when you're a certain age, your, your parents have like invisible capes and they can do no wrong. And your mom's the most beautiful woman in the world. And then like your innocence fades away and you see them as actual people for the first time. It was like that. And it, it, that's when I knew something was off with Bill Cosby. Yeah. Yeah. And then shortly after that, uh, DL Ugly started pointing it out. I think it was D.L. Ugly who was pointing it out. Well, wasn't it, um, or was it Kevin um, Hart? No, it was a, a God, what, Hannibal um, Burris. Hannibal Burris. Yeah, yeah. Hannibal yeah, it was Burris. Hannibal Burris, yep. Wow, God, I just sounded so terribly racist. I can't tell these three black gentlemen <laughs> apart. <laughs> I think we uh, all understand <laughs> that that's not what you meant. Right. There's, I was just. You named three great comedians right there. That was, you know. Yeah. But the, the clip that I saw from uh, him yelling this out to the audience was literally halfway back from the back of a crowded room. Now, Hannibal did it. Hannibal did it on stage. So you actually may be correct. That could have been Deal Hughley. That could have been because several um, I went and did a deep dive when it all happened. And mm-hmm. apparently it was a very kind of well-known secret that people didn't talk about. So it very well could have been one of them screaming it from the back because yeah. Hannibal wasn't the first, but he was the first to do it on stage. That I know. Uh, well, then it probably was him, but I don't think I was familiar with Hannibal Burris at that time. I didn't really become aware of him until uh, after Eric Andre's show came on. Yeah. And, uh, and then I was like, well, this guy's sort of weird, but 
he's clearly a compliment to Eric Andre, who, despite Mike's opinions on the, the guy, <laughs> um, I happen to think is is sort of a brilliant shock comedian. He's edgy, but he's not like the kind of edgy where um, it's um, obnoxious, in my opinion. To me, it's more like the height of brilliance. But I, I see you shaking your head, Mike. Oh, I no, because I, I, I do think that he passes over the line to obnoxious. I did that's, too. that's just that's just my that's my opinion he's not for everybody I, I think he passes over to the point of obnoxious too but i think that's kind of the point i think yeah. he wanted yeah. to be like thing. andy i wanted and he wanted to be like andy kaufman he wanted to be hated and he wanted to have just a reaction just like you were saying earlier tom with like i don't want to hear i like it i hate it i want to hear why you hate it yeah and people talk about that sort of thing and he's like more of a content creator comedian like his little hijinks and stuff that in perfect little clips to put on Twitter, social media and everything and taken mm-hmm. out of context. It just looks like the craziest dumpster fire in the world. It does, it does. But I specifically recall him doing like a 15 page rant about black lives matter or something like that. That was, it was very political. And it was very smart and and well thought out and loaded with information. And he cited references at the lab on the last tweet so that people could go and look for themselves. And um, like my if even I think I showed it to you, Mike, and you had said something to the effect of, well, he has a little bit of my respect now. But what the hell are we talking about Eric Andre for? We're, we I have off no idea. Here, like, yeah, we, we, we got way off track. We, it wasn't my fault this time. No, it was we're totally. We're chasing squirrels. We're chasing squirrels. <laughs> yep, yep. Shiny. If you like Storytime with Tom and Mike or our Let's Play channel, Gaming with Tom and Mike, please consider contributing to our Patreon. For only $1 a month, you'll receive access to bonus content such as lost segments from the podcast, unaired gaming videos, behind-the-scenes audio and video, sketches, and more. Just go to www.patreon.com slash Tom and Mike. Thanks for listening and enjoy the rest of the show. All, right. all the way back to the start. So what was our thing? We're looking at do- TV dads. dads, TV dads. So, Mike, you probably can come up with a couple. Oh, well, Carl from Family Matters, for certain, if we're just talking sitcoms. Yeah. Was, I mean, was was a great role model and playing the same basic character in the um, Die, Die Hard, Hard movies. Die Hard movies. Yeah, and that's right. Wasn't he on like yeah. Hill Street Blues or something like that, too? As a cop? Is he? It, I don't show. I don't know, but it wouldn't surprise me because I think that, uh, you know, that was his his niche. What's his name again? His Reginald 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 Vell Johnson. That was kind of a big deal, though. You know, uh, a primetime show. It was, you know, a black family and the the father was a cop, a black cop. Like you just that's like nowadays, you know. We see stuff like that all the time in dramas mm-hmm. and stuff, but that wasn't as prevalent back then. And I mean, going back to Cosby, not to go back to that, but like, I mean, man, Cosby was just, he. I, I can see how the stuff that happened happened because he seemed like a very untouchable figure. He was so wholesome. And, but then you go back, okay, here's something. Do you remember what Bill Cosby was on the show? He was a doctor. He was a uh, maternity doctor. Yeah, OBGYN. No, he was an OBGYN. <laughs> I know. I said maternity doctor because it's the first thing that came out of my mouth, and I wanted to be like the first one to get it. So yeah, <laughs> he's an OBGYN. Yes, that's that's what they are. That that <laughs> kind of seems creepy in retrospect. Oh, it sounds. It seems really creepy. That's like, like I'm going to need to see some vaginas on this set just to make it seem right. real. I'm a method actor. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's like if fucking I don't know. I'm trying to think of a good example. Some actor got caught fisting children, and like then ended up being like a salesman for gloves. <laughs> wow. Or like a guy. That was murdered, an example. Or, or like a guy that you saw in a commercial, like running oh, through an airport, like killed his wife and then got chased by police. That would be crazy. Did that happen? That was OJ. 
That was OG. Oh, okay. I <laughs> come on now. I was like, I was like, <laughs> All right now. yeah, that's right. Yeah. White Bronco. He was a Hertz guy. White Bronco. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh. If only he had done a commercial for Hertz for White Broncos, it would have just been perfect. I just remember liking him so much in the naked gun movies. And yeah, and like I didn't know who the hell he was or what his past was. But I had an old Playboy that had a picture of him wearing these ridiculous boots, just <laughs> these huge fucking like ornate cowboy boots. And 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 it was like, but it wasn't a commercial for that. It was a commercial for gin. Funny thing was, it was just the cowboy boots and he wasn't reading a Playboy. It was a Playgirl. Oh, mm-hmm. OK. Yeah. yeah. That, yeah. that track. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I don't know, man. Again, off track here. <laughs> we can't Cosby. Yeah, Cosby. Cosby. I was so obsessed with Cosby, I even ate jello pudding pops. And you that there will never be anything better than the chocolate and vanilla swirl. Hells yeah. Those were so good. They brought them back in the early and they 2000s. were so little. Yeah. And yeah. they weren't the same either. They weren't no. the same. Yeah. We they didn't have that chocolate vanilla swirl. And the original ones, and this is how obsessed with these joints I was. The original ones, when you pulled them out of the freezer, okay, you gave them like a minute or two. And then you'd go to like uh, um taste them and stuff. And they had they always had the tiniest layer of ice, and you could like peel it off with your fingernail. And then you were, you know, to the yogurt or whatever it was. Jello. It wasn't just you doing that. I, I recall that very vividly myself. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? Like the shit that we don't remember. We all but, did the same thing. But I can remember scraping the ice of, off a Jello pudding pop. It's like finding out I wasn't the person that invented putting fries in a Frosty. I don't know. <laughs> Guys, I just got to say real quick before we continue with this line, because I have something to add to it. I will not sit right with this until I apologize for the horrendously distasteful joke that I tried to (laughs) about a minute and a half ago. It was horrible. It was unspeakable. And as soon as it came out of my mouth, I was like, why the fuck did I say that? And I'm so sorry to everyone listening. (laughs) You know what the thing is about like podcasting and stuff is that like you can edit stuff out. Well, you can't edit stuff out, but. (laughs) You, I call it like gremlin brain, like my scumbag brain mm, is that mm. you get like that knee jerk reaction. And if you're neurodivergent, it's even worse because it'll oh, yeah, come yeah. right out of your mouth before yep. you even think about it. But your knee jerk reaction in your head, that's not you. You yeah, know what I mean? I know. I know. When, when you immediately go, fuck, where to say that? And like you immediately have the urge to, to go back and go, oh, I'm sorry I said that that's you the yeah. person that actually broke it down and said where the hell did that come from yeah you know well i just saw the looks on your faces were kind of like <laughs> okay tom okay i'm not gonna laugh at that because that's fucked up and I then was... mike, mike laughed because it's like holy shit how do i i just processed what tom's fucking said i uh, yeah <laughs> i was trying to put a and b together in that that's what the shock the look on my face was initially like he how bluffed? the fuck did we get yeah, here again yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, that, okay, not to chase a tangent, but if we want to touch on this super fast, like that brings up a really good point because comedy, like there's a big division in comedy right now. Like uh-huh. you have a ton of comedians like that are old school, a lot of uh, people out of Boston, especially that are very anti-censorship in comedy. And they're like, a, like, for example, Bill Burr, he's a great example of it. He's a mm-hmm. very abrasive, say it like it is comedian. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people really feel like a lot of the shit he says is problematic. And because um, they take it out of context, they don't understand that he is. I mean, some of the stuff he says is problematic. I will admit that. But I think a lot of stuff you have to listen to his whole act to understand what he's getting at. He's building up examples so that he can make, break them down and make fun of them later. Well, and so, a lot of it's satire too. It's a satire, lot of it is exactly, and 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 it's almost like satire doesn't have a place in comedy anymore. Um, Louis C.K. was a good example of it. Another problematic guy that got caught jerking off in front of women and you know using his power to his advantage. We know all of that, but that doesn't take away from the fact that Louis C.K. is a brilliant comedian. 
right. his timing's impeccable. And right. he was really good at saying really shocking shit. And you mm-hmm. would laugh because it would come out of that gremlin part of your brain, shit that you had probably thought at one point, but you're like, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that. Yeah, yeah. But Louis C.K. had like a way about him where he could say that and then disarm the audience. They would be shocked one second and then they'd be laughing because he would make it relatable. Right. And he had a charisma about him that helped to deliver that. And, you know, just the facial expressions and the gestures he would make, you know, were really. um, And I have to say, when watching the show, Louis, I thought he portrayed a pretty good dad. You know, in that show, you know, despite his many flaws in that show, the one thing that was strong about him is that he really tried his best to teach his daughters the right way to be, you know. Yeah. And I don't know if that's true to his real life or not. Um, I hope so. But, you know, yeah, you can be two things. You know, you can be an irredeemable pervert and a great dad. As long as you don't cross those two lines together, that can work. Um, well, and not just that, but there's plenty of comedians that have just, you know, you can have you can be different things to different people. You can be yeah, just an amazing yeah. person to one per and just never show that other side. I mean, like, right. not to go off to an extreme, but like BTK, the bind torture kill, like he were he was at a church, you know, he was a deacon in a church, and you know, he I think he was a, a boy scout leader. And his family just never suspected that of him, but he had a completely different other side. Yeah. And sometimes I just think you don't really know people unless Mm. you're really in their skin. And I don't mean like, you know, wearing it, (laughs) like wearing it out as a suit kind of way. But (laughs) the only head that you truly know is your own. And I hardly know that. I hardly know that. Right. And I really do a good job of self-observing most of the time. Right. So but that's I still scary. Have no clue, so. Right. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. amount of self-examination, uh, not just that, but the amount of evolution that I know you in particular, Tom, both you and I have done, you know, in our adult lives. And just so many people don't do that. And I know in my head the things that I've thought, and I'm like, God, and I'm, you know, a relatively stable person. What these psychos must be going through in their head must be like fucking yeah. just clowns and thorns and fire ants i don't know centipedes and shit yeah well i imagine like i imagine it's probably close to having a drug experience without the benefit of ever coming down from it you know when when you're in that one of those like psychotic states and stuff um but to go back to a previous tangent off of a tangent off of a tangent um (laughs) i used to i used to take the and this is gross I might have told it on the show before, but I used to take this like bag of uh, the cheddar flavored um, combos, either cracker Mm -hmm. or pretzel didn't really matter to me because I didn't care too much about that part. I wanted the cheese. Mm -hmm. I I specifically remember the pretzels were easier to strip the cheese away from. So Mm -hmm. I would dig away the cheese. Sometimes I'd use a fucking paper clip to do it seriously and to, I, to like, I remember you doing this so yeah i would take a whole <laughs> bag's worth and i'd fucking just push the pretzels aside and make a big ass ball of cheese and eat that <laughs> oh so you did so you had like a, a thing where you had to get all the cheese out first it wasn't a one after the other type deal yeah yeah i didn't even bother with the pretzels a lot of times i i just wanted the ball of cheese just such a strange thing to say i think the only the only gluttonous type thing that i did like that was that i would eat fucking tubs of cool whip i would just eat cool whip like it was like it was like it was pie or ice cream i'm gonna admit right now before you and then god and everyone else that i as an adult on more than one occasion but less than five have bought frosting, cake frosting from the store, brought it home and ate it straight out of the fucking bottle or can with with a spoon, like some kind of a food monster. Hey, the Dollar Tree has 
has Cool Whip with um, with chocolate chip cookies, or not chocolate chip cookies, with chocolate cookies in it, like mixed into it. Dude, I sat and ate that shit like it was a yogurt. <laughs> just, I ate the entire fucking container in one sitting. It's just a fucking. I was just like, <laughs> like sixty thousand calories down the drain. Well, the cool one's not that bad. It was probably just the chocolate chips. Yeah, the cool cool it's was pretty low. So calorie. good, I don't regret. I'd do it again. The fattest thing I ever did, and this has a nice, healthy sprinkling of like. Uh, probably body dysmorphia <laughs> uh, or I guess insecurity attached to it. I remember when I lived on my own in my own apartment and I could eat what I wanted to all the time. And I could, you know, my kitchen was just full of what I liked. And I've always, always loved cheese. Cheese was my first word. Hell and, yeah. Uh, in particular, my jam was making Rotel, you know, from scratch uh, the cheese and then putting the tomatoes in it and everything. And then just sitting with tortilla chips and eating mm. that. And one weekend I decided that I was going to have a Rotel weekend and I was going to make an entire pot of it. And I was going to allow myself to eat the entire thing with the caveat that I, that's all I could eat. So I couldn't eat anything else, but Rotel, but I killed that entire thing in one weekend. I tried to keep Keep it just a rotel to try to, you know, because Jesus is so fattening. But I wouldn't I, have shit for a week. Oh, I, I see. I have a di- I have a digestive disorder, so I definitely did that. In mm, that. yeah, I would but have been blocked I, up like you wouldn't believe. Oh, by the end of the weekend, oh god, it was just it was awful, and I didn't eat rotel for <laughs> a good six weeks after that, and that was a lot for me. I would probably have been put off of it for longer. I I tend to like, I remember being a kid and opening up the fridge with the intent of finding this. It was like this cheese box that my parents had gotten for, for um, Christmas from somebody. And they had just had it stuffed in the fridge and it was sort of forgotten about. So I would randomly steal pieces of it and bring it up to my room. And then I would forget about them and they would go hard and dry and stink up my room. And that was brought all kinds of joy to my mother's life, of course. Uh, but I remember one day not realizing I never in my life did it occur to me that food could rot because my parents were fastidious cleaners. It never in my life occurred to me, but that thing was sitting in the fridge and no one had thought about it for a while. It was like a cheese spread and I was going to throw it on crackers. And I like, I said, fuck it. You know, no one's eating this thing in months. Just scrape the green away. Literally months. And, and no one had touched. And I was like, this thing's mine. I'm claiming it. I'm just going to eat the whole damn thing. So I opened it up and I, instead of putting it on the cracker, I put it in my mouth. And then I started to chew and then I smelled fertilizer and I was like the smell of fertilizer. And I looked Uh, down and it was just vibrant with mold. And uh, I spit all over the floor and my dad was like, why did you do that? I'm like, look at it. He's like, well, you could have went to the sink. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But my, I wasn't even thinking about a fucking sink. I was in panic mode, like this will kill me, you know, which uh, I doubt that would happen, but it probably wouldn't have made me feel very good. Truth. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think that cheese mold is relatively benign. It just doesn't taste good and it's not palatable to us, but I don't know. I'm not an expert on fungi. That's what my dad would always say. Just cut that part off and eat the rest of it. Yeah. Yeah. The only other thing comparable to that I've ever had in my life is when I worked at a Home Depot for exactly one day because it was the sh- one of the shittiest job introductions I ever had. I think they were literally trying to see if they could break me just to see if I like like hazing me or something. They had me sweep <laughs> an entire parking lot. Then they had me empty a dumpster by myself. And then they had to lift had me lift these giant poles over my like half my body weight over my head onto this rack. It was ridiculous. And uh, at the end, I, I walked in there and I said, I quit. Actually, no, I didn't make it the whole night. At 
lunchtime or shortly after it was like break time, I decided I wanted a snack and they had a snack machine in there. So I get out this thing of Swiss rolls, you know, those uh, chocolate with the, the cream rolled up inside and it's coated in yep. chocolate. Well, Got them in my cabinet right now. Yeah. So I had, I have the habit of picking at my food, playing with my food. So I always I unroll the Swiss rolls. Yeah. So oh, I, yeah. I, I popped a piece of the chocolate off and went to put it in my mouth and I looked down and that fucking cake was bright green. <gasps> yeah. It was that like was really old because Swiss rolls got some shelf life to them. I know, They're like Twinkies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. These, these things had to be like years old. I don't know how the oh, yeah. hell. Like it was some bullshit deal, you know. Like like we'll put it in there for cheap. Don't worry about it. We got stock, and then they just throw in stock from ten years ago or some shit. But it was it was disgusting, and um, and I I, I just walked into the fucking hiring office and I said. I just got this from your vending machine. I quit and I walked out. I tossed my fucking apron on the fucking floor and I just walked out and <laughs> pretended that as far as my job history is concerned, that job never happened. I mean, yeah, they, 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 but you know, they found a way to fuck me pretty hard on the first day. So, you know, I don't think not- I'm, I don't think not I missed fun, anything. No, not in a good way at <laughs> yeah, all. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, they could have at least like taken me to lumber for that, but giving you a reach around. Yeah. It's the only now, decent thing had, to do. I never had anything like weird with food. Like nothing stands out in my head, but I do remember being at a party once and picking up what I thought was my beer, and it ended up to be um a thing of dip spit with a cigarette oh. butt in it. I've done that. I've drank my uh, own dip spit before. And you might say, oh, well, it was yours. It wasn't that bad. No, it was still fucking disgusting. Yeah. It's cold spit. Yeah, it was yeah. awful. With tobacco in it. Mm-hmm. But thankfully, wintergreen flavored. Well, I mean, if there's a bright side, it wasn't original. <laughs> I think we need to bring bring uh, chewing tobacco to a new generation with some new flavors like... Uh, Bubblegum, bubblegum, cinnamon, grape, fucking habanero, habanero, yeah, um, cool ranch. Oh, cool ranch. <laughs> oh hot, god, hot honey mustard. I think I just threw up a little bit in my mouth when you Buffalo. said cool ranch. I'm thinking a cool ranch fucking dip. They <laughs> <laughs> like got that tobacco pickle. bite at the end of it, but it's cool ranch. <laughs> I'm on a quitting smoking journey lately. Uh, Jennifer's birthday was on the 23rd and uh, we had planned to quit smoking and then we didn't quit smoking. We made it about two days and then I was like, all right, I want a cigarette. And she says, well, I I might have a pack. (laughs) I may. I may not have quit. Yeah, well, they're sealed. The pack was sealed. But okay. she's like, I may, I may have forgotten that I had a pack and then forgot to tell you because that way you would not constantly be bombarding me asking me for cigarettes. And I was like, oh, that makes a whole lot of sense. Um, so now we're trying to limit ourselves to no more than 10 cigarettes a day, which is no problem for her, big problem for me. And I want to winnow it down to the point where I'm like, okay, I have like one cigarette a day and I could take it or leave it and just quit that way. Cause I don't want the fucking gums or the, those Tic Tac things that taste like devil's asshole. I, you know, like what do you got there? The lozenges. Oh, uh, yeah. they're foul. I don't, maybe you have the good ones. I don't know. I've heard there's some that are good, but the ones that I got, they tasted like, Synthetic. They say they tasted like synthetic dip spit to me. It burned, and it was like it, I just like I swallowed the tiniest amount by accident, and it made me deeply nauseous. And I was like, "This is the this is like licking the drippings off the devil's taint." I never want to taste this shit again. <laughs> uh, it was easier for me to go to the lozenges because uh, I pretty much. I quit smoking when I got pregnant and then like, I won't lie, like probably once every two weeks, 
I'd have a single cigarette if I had like a really bad day because I waited tables the whole time for my pregnancy. But I I would not like smoke and buy cigarettes when I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a matter of fact, I think I only did it like three or four times. But after I had him, I would smoke socially when mm-hmm. I would go out, which was really, really seldom. Because, you know, when you're a single mom, you don't have any freaking money. And so I finally, I think I moved to vaping when I moved back to Memphis in 2012. And I pretty much just vaped from that point on, like vaped, not to say vaped before it was cool, because now it's like come around the other way where now people are like, oh, yeah, we did it, you vape. But um, <laughs> like I, I just got to the point that I'd been so far separated from it that I just couldn't stand like if somebody was smoking a cigarette next to me, I'd be like, oh, that smells good. But if I smoked one and it got on my hands or in my hair or on my clothes, as soon as it got stale, it would just make me really nauseous. Yeah. And I just, I could not do cigarettes anymore. So I just did the, did the vaping. And then one day tried the lozenges because somebody's podcast that I listened to, they did the lozenges and it was, they were weird at first. They burned and all that stuff. But just like with cigarettes, I mean, I think we forget like the first cigarette we ever had for the mm-hmm. first dip. That joint made you nauseous, but she had just barreled on through that shit. Yeah, because sure did. Wanted to be cool, you know? So it's I remember not, the first dip I ever took. It made me nauseous. I get, oh my God. That the first time I smoked a whole cigarette, Mike, do you want to tell that story? Because you were there. <laughs> I'd like to hear was, it from was your this, perspective. Was this when we went to Inner Harbor? Yes. <laughs> yes. We went to Inner Harbor on a school trip, and uh, I thought you had smoked before that, but I had the good old pack of, like, GPC or basic, uh, <laughs> basic menthol, <lights. laughs> menthol 100s. The lights. Yeah. They yeah, the, the lights. lights. Yeah. I just remember you smoking and being like, Almost like you were high, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, God, I was so sick and my dizzy and I was so like confused. <laughs> and it lasted for like at least an hour. For seemingly forever. Yeah. yeah. I remember coming out of it and you guys kind of you and and your girlfriend at the time just kind of stuck around and hung around when the other people kind of like, we're going to go do stuff. And you guys kind of hung around with me and nursed me through it. There were two other people who were there too for that. But uh, then I ended up running off with you guys because that was one of the first times I remember thinking that you had a really good sense of humor because you had told me that you were wearing uh, no, you were wearing hologramic clothes and you were really <laughs> naked. And I thought that was fucking hilarious to say it to someone you've never really talked to before so yep, i was like i'm gonna hang out with this guy <laughs> and little did he know that he'd end up watching me and my girlfriend dry hump for an hour in a uh you know in several places in the mall in a vestibule wow. in a vestibule shout, shout out to dry humping yeah right? and i was standing there sort of as their guardian like i was Sort of like what people. <laughs> he, he was the he was the uh, the muscle. He was going to stop people from looking at us and saying shit, you know. Yeah. So whenever, like, I was sort of people watching. Whenever someone would make a face or anything, I'd be like, "What are you looking at? What are you looking at? Go away!" And they would they just sort of like hurry off. <laughs> it sounds like an Eric Andre sketch. It does. It actually does. It very well could have been. I will agree with that. Back in the good old days. Yeah, I feel like I had no worries back then. <laughs> I didn't have any worries back then. I mean, I'm sure my I mom did, wondered why my pants were all wearing out at the zipper and nowhere else. I, I did have worries, but <clears throat> and this is in no way to denigrate someone who was younger. But as I got older, my troubles became more complex with a lot more moving parts mm-hmm. and you know jug- or did you become more complex with more moving parts maybe maybe I, I don't know how to differentiate differentiate the one from the other i guess but my problems maybe i i've yeah like 
maybe the problem is like silly putty where it just whatever surface it drops on it takes that shape <laughs> so if it's a rigid machine that's constantly uh, uh trying to unfold all these problems then yeah you're gonna have this weird fucking silly putty thing where if you're a younger person you're like uh eh, yeah I pretty much just don't like my parents and I don't like school and like, I like music and video games, you know, like your problem is going to look simple to you later when you look well, back on it. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. But I mean, I remember being young and having um, lots of problems, A, but B also that when you're younger, you just think everything is absolutely going to kill you mm -hmm. and you have no patience. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I certainly remember like that feeling of impatience for uh, about everything. But I think problems also felt uh, smaller then yeah. because we had less responsibility and we didn't have to yeah. do the whole gerbil in a wheel thing and work yeah. and do this and pay taxes. And we become so much more aware like I when I was younger I truly did buy into the whole thing of America being the greatest country in the world and you know all the things that you're fed in your little circle of influence those are the gospel to you you totally believe them and then as you get older the world becomes like Bob Saget and just gets really fucking nasty yeah I want to I want to bring something up you reminded me of you had posted on Facebook today a live stream I think it was about six minutes long where mm -hmm. you were talking about um, disengaging from your algorithm. Yeah. And um, I guess what I got from it was that, yeah, okay. So just like the internet, uh, keeping an algorithm, all your likes and dislikes, and then serving you back the same rehash shit. Mm -hmm. So, so does society and probably yeah. always has. Mm -hmm. We've just for we finally have an, a, a term for it, algorithm. Right. Uh, it's always been there and it's always been in use. Mm -hmm. And I love the idea. Like I, I almost feel like, you know, you talk about the anti-work movement. There ought to be an anti-phone movement. Mm -hmm. Just put your fucking phone down for about about an hour a day. That's all it takes yeah. to start. It's like meditation. Start small. Learn, learn to sit and be idle. Learn to sit and take shit in. You know what happens to right. me sometimes? Be present. Be present. You know what happens to me sometimes? This happens to me a lot in nature. I'll just be sitting there and it'll be totally quiet. At first, it seems like it's quiet. And then you sit there and you close your eyes and you breathe. And then you start to pick out a sound and then another sound and then another and another and another. And then at a certain point, your brain does this thing where it becomes one sound mm -hmm. like a harmonic just mm -hmm. throbbing around this fucking place, like right. some kind of ancient energy and you become mm -hmm. one with it. And dude, that's better than any fucking mobile game I could ever imagine. Right. That is such a trippy and wonderful experience to just connect with nature. Go do that. All right. It's cold right now. Yeah. Where we live, maybe not do that, <laughs> yeah. but you know, find something else to connect with, get some white noise generator or something. And, you know, it's not going to feel quite as vibrant as true nature, but there's other ways to enjoy the outside in the winter. Yeah. Now, the point is that what you were saying really struck a chord with me is like, yeah, have a conversation with someone outside of your comfort zone. Yeah. And then like, challenged. not just, yeah, not just like a conversation. Like I think that the worst things, the worst thing that phones have done for us is the algorithm because it, and partially probably like progressive thinking. Um, and, and these things are all good because I don't believe anything like this, any new technology, any new movement, whatever can exist without having, there's always a flip side. There's always a bad side. Mm -hmm. And obviously I feel like technology has done more good than it has bad. Yeah. But you get to a place where everything that you see is shit you agree with. Everybody you talk to is going, uh-huh, 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 yeah. uh-huh. And it teaches us like that uncomfortable conversations are bad and right. that 
you know, if you just sometimes even like trolls and well, maybe not necessarily trolls, but people that are really just going hard on you. Like if you listen to them and think about what they're saying and see, this wasn't all of this wasn't an original original thoughts. I thought a lot of this for a long time and have been talking about it for a long time as well. But then uh, yesterday I watched Aziz Ansari's new special and he mm-hmm. goes in depth in it. He's like, dude, like, come on. He said um, he was he was talking about COVID and vaccines and stuff. And he said, uh, I think he said his dad has 10 siblings and um, they're, they were all alive. And then his uncle um, refused to get the vaccine. And everybody tried to appeal to him. Everybody tried to change his mind. He he just, he wouldn't change his mind. He died of COVID. And he said, you know, I love my uncle. You know, I love my uncle. But everything with this algorithm has turned, you know, everybody in this experience as, you know, this loud mm. talking head that just screams and these dumbasses that don't believe in science and fuck these idiots and stuff. And suddenly they're not people anymore. They're not uncles. They're yeah. not dads. They, and I have a lot of people like that in my family. And I mean, maybe that's where part of the thought process comes from because my dad and my grandma, uh, my aunt, my uncle, like a lot of them, they believe totally different than I do. But I have experience with these people and I know their hearts. And I think the most insulting part about it is that I can see the strings and they can't. Yeah. And it hurts my heart that my grandma of all people has been, you know, pulled into that and deceived and because she's not that hateful person. But if just a random person heard something that she said out of context, they would be like, uh, what a horrible old white lady, you know, fuck mm-hmm. that lady or whatever. And they would probably have a really strong opinion of her, but they don't know the lady that gives an insane amount of money to charity, to her church, to everybody in her community that is always there for everybody. Like my grandmother, she was a piano teacher and she was a pillar of her community. She's very well loved. She's a very loving woman. But because we're all stuck in these same little algorithms and they've all figured out exactly what to say to each little group that they have us fighting each other instead of fucking them, you know, instead of instead of voting their asses out and getting all these bullshit things, you know, having work reform, all of that. We're fighting each other. You know, you have you're actually like blowing my fucking mind right now because as you were sitting here talking about this i was just picturing imagining the mindset of say a conservative republican Mm -hmm. being every bit as convincingly correct and true and right Mm -hmm. as what i currently sit with Mm -hmm. and it fucking scared the shit out of me because i had to immediately go back and then say who's pulling the strings on my side right Mm. And somebody must be. Right. There is a narrative here. There is a dialogue going on, mm-hmm. and it's right under our noses. And mm-hmm. and and it, you're right. It, it takes us getting past these bullshit differences that we don't even really have. They're manufactured right. and made up. They're the flavor of the fucking week. Right. And if there's we, plenty if, of people pulling strings on the left side just tonight. Absolutely. Right before I, right before I logged in, I got onto Reddit. And thank God I've been on Reddit and other places, spaces. I mean, my job is to, I'm an internet analyst. I analyze the internet, but I'm not the average person. The average person doesn't push me on a headline, okay? That's Mm -hmm. why clickbait is so popular. They see the headline, they assume they know the story, they move on, they get pissed, right? And they continue to engage and all that kind of stuff with the same social media so that people can make money off their back. But I was on Reddit. And I saw this post and it was, on, I believe it was on um, the pics. Um, it was on the front page of Reddit. And it said, here's a, and I, I heard it in this voice, even though it was text. Here's a picture of all the banned books in Texas. And it was the, like, these will all be burned or whatever. And I was like, what? Because that caught my attention as it would mm-hmm. anyone's. Mm-hmm. And I go and I click on the picture. It's like, To Kill a Mockingbird, Night by Ellie Wiesel. It was you know, 1984, it was of mice and men. I'm like, 
And I start to, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And then I went, mm, okay, let me look in the comments. And I immediately know, let me look for a new source. Yeah. First, first, I'm going to see if somebody posted it. And then if somebody didn't post it, I'm going to search for it myself. And lo and behold, huh, there's no source. But most people are not going to check for the source. They're going to take that picture and they're going to feed it into their algorithm to piss off their people. Yeah. Rinse and repeat. Yeah. 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 So I think what we need to do as a society and that is in, starting as individuals, really, and then leading the way from there is engaging people in, in conversations and actually fucking listening to what they have to say mm-hmm. instead of waiting to put in your input. Maybe your input isn't, as you said, in your comments on, 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 uh, on Facebook, like maybe your comment isn't necessary in that space. Right. Not always your comment. And I'm, I have slowly learned that over the last like couple mm-hmm. of years, especially since I've been back in the office because everyone has such opinions now and they're so loud about them. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, I want to argue, but I just listen and mm-hmm. I let them talk and I don't really give them validation for things that I don't agree with. Right. But I'll relate with them. Mm-hmm. I'll even go as far as say, I don't agree with that, but, and then counter the offer, sweeten the pot for my side, give them perspective of my thinking to -hmm. let them understand that, you know what, despite your beliefs, we're still just people. And, you know, we don't really get the real story. We're just, we're just nobodies. We never get the real story. Mm -hmm. So maybe all these little wars we have with each other, where you say, Because this woman said to me, I don't like Democrats. And I said, that's just a word. It doesn't Mm -hmm. fucking mean anything anymore. Right. It used to, but now it's just a buzzword. And depending on whether you're a Democrat or a a leftist, whatever the fuck that is, or a, a conservative or whatever you have a narrative for what that word means. So it means nothing Mm -hmm. because it's social identity theory. It's us versus them. Yeah. That goes back to like psychology from way far back is saying that people, no matter what, okay, you put them in a room and if, you know, half of them are white and half of them are black, they'll separate. Right. Right. By race. And they'll they'll go to their sides because everybody wants to be around someone that's like them. Everyone that everyone wants that sense of belonging. Right. To be in the in group. Safety. Safety. So if everybody Mm -hmm. in the group is black. okay, then those people will then separate themselves by occupation or hobbies or sports teams. It's that's why NFL, that's why all of that stuff is so, so, so popular because mm-hmm. it just resonates with people. People feel a part of something. They have a team. They, right. they are they're part of a, a movement. They're, they're part of a group. Yeah. 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 I, you're absolutely right. <laughs> you're absolutely right about that. And I think it goes so far as to become like tribal, you know, like, you know, especially, I mean, you know, the inner filth group was a perfect example of that. We had a cabal, mm-hmm. you know, in our own little way, we were going to take over the internet and change the way people thought. Remember, right. remember the yeah. old days? That's what it was yeah. like. We were like, we're going to, we're going to fucking rock this world. We're going to shake our asses at it and it's going to throw money to us. Well, and, and I and think didn't, everybody, didn't. everybody was a little kid though. Everybody you know, to oh, some yeah. degree had was made fun of, whether it was by a sibling or at school or whatever. And so when we get older, we naturally gravitate towards things that we can feel included in. Yeah. You know, we want to be accepted. We, we want to be in on the joke. actually had a person call me that I left a Google review for. I left a low Google review for this mental health facility. Wow. Yeah. I went to a counselor and it was a huge shit show. 
they offered low cost counseling during the beginning of the pandemic. I took advantage of it because I've always had barriers to mental health care, namely, you know, being low income. And the first session that I had, they ghosted me on. The second one, the lady was reading things off the internet. The third one, she she had people in her house that were like in the room during my session. And it was just awful. And I finally got a new counselor, but then their portal stopped working and I stopped getting the emails for it. And I stopped um, getting any kind of notifications. I told her that the portal was broken. So she called me today and or yesterday, and she was talking to me about this review. And it was not in the sense of like, I want to make this better. How can I make this right with you? Just straight out the gate, she started gaslighting me. I shit you not and was like, I think your perception, air quotes, of what happened uh, differs from our records because we have discrepancies between what you said happened and what our records show. You know, Lindsay, I hate to interrupt you. I hate to interrupt this great story, but I just looked at the clock and we are out of time. So it's going to have to be a story for another time. Thanks for listening to Storytime with Tom and Mike. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed giving it to you. Giving it to you like all the nice warm fuzzies that we gave you talking about love and marriage and everything else tonight. Thank you. Mm.